Okay. Yashan oh. asked Yang Shan, where have you come from? Yang Shan said, from the rice field. Hua Shan said, how many people are there in the rice field? Yang Shan thrust his hoe into the ground and stood with his hands folded on his chest. Hua Shan said, there are a great number of people cutting thatch on the South Mountain. Yang Shan took up his hoe and left immediately. Okay, so let's try with three other people. Uh, I'll be the narrator. And Nelda, would you be um, Gishan? And Emily, would you be Yanshan? Gishan asked Yanshan. Where have you come from? Yanshan said. From the rice field. Gishan said. How many people are there in the rice field? Yangchang thrust his hoe into the ground and stood with his hands folded on his chest. Gishan said, There are a great number of people cutting thatch on the South Mountain. Yangchang took up his hoe and left immediately. Okay, now Starlet and Hunter, are you still around? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, so Starlet, why don't you be the uh, narrator and Hunter, you could be Gishan and, um, did I miss any? Oh, and uh, James, you could be Yangshan. Okay? okay. Yangshan. Where have you come from? Yangshan said. From the rice field. Wishan said. How many people are there in the rice field? Yangshan thrust his hoe into the ground and stood with his hands folded on his chest. Yangshan said, There are a great number of people cutting thatch on the south mountain. Yangshan took up his hoe and left immediately. Okay, and I see that Kathy just joined. I did. Great. How about we're just reading the case and then we're going to take 10 minutes to sit with it and draw with it and, and whatever you want to do with it. Okay. So we've been <laughs> reading it and we've been taking different roles, but do you want to read the thing out loud through it through? Oh, not at this point. I, I hardly caught my breath. <laughs> oh, okay. Do we have another volunteer? I, I can read it. You want me to read it all the way through? Yeah, just the case. Okay. Gishan asked Yangsan, where have you come from? Yangsan said, from the rice field. Gishan said, how many people are there in the rice field? Yangshan thrust his hoe into the ground and stood with his hands folded on his chest. Gushan said, there are a great number of people cutting thatch on the South Mountain. Yang Shan took up his hoe and left immediately. Kind of, I kind of like this color. This koan reminds me of my life. First hoeing the rice fields, being the last person to leave, feeling a great accomplishment, and then coming to tell the person in charge, only to be told that there was more work with more people in another field. That unending cycle of work and more work and, oh, by the way, even more. No time to enjoy the feeling of fulfillment from accomplishing the job. For me, it's best represented in the way I work hard during the day. And then when I go to sleep, I'm given more tasks to do. And so work hard at night, only to wake up and start all over again. There are delights in each life. But overall, life is represented as working, finishing, and working again. Not that that in itself is a bad thing. We work to get the rice to feed the village. We work to get the thatch to build our homes, put roofs on, and keep out the weather. 
We do this together to help our communities. If we can delight in that, if we can continue to help ourselves and do good work for our communities, that's a good life or dream or life. Thank you. I'll go next, Kim, if that's all right. Sure. So I don't have full, complete sentences. And I'm always wrong about what the koans mean. So let's just <laughs> get that out of the way. Um, and I know what meeting I had earlier today because it came up here. I wonder if this is an awakened one encountering a disciple and without telling that disciple, Young Shun, what needed to be done simply by stating there's a great number cutting thatch on the South Mountain. So before he's that's that statement is made without any request of activity on his part, he sets down or thrusts his hoe into ground the ground as if to plant it. And then fold his, folds his hands, as we do in many of our practices, across our chest, present and awake, waiting for the next moment to come, the next statement to be made. And I think his, the awakened one, his teacher, is wondering, asking if his disciple is present to the statement that's going to arise, awake to the practice required in that moment doing what he might need to do in the next. Let me see. The great number seems to imply a task as important, if not more, than cutting in the rice field. So great activity, great participation, great connection. A present need is in, prog in progress on South Mountain. It reminds me very much of our Soji practice. Soji which is an extension of the practice on the cushion, is work practice. It is where without sitting, but engaged in activity and in community with others, we stay in touch with our body, stay in touch with our intention, stay in touch with right action, and contribute to each other and the community by doing so. It seems that this koan has much to do with Soji practice, whether in the rice field or cutting thatch on South Mountain. I'll go. Okay, thank you. One summer afternoon, I descended into Stephen's Glen. I tumbled into trails of wild summer roses, rambling amidst towering pines, beech, and maple. The last of summer's raspberries rotted on barbed vines. I peeked into the dense cover of leaves, branches, and needles, with no hope of describing every single vein of a leaf, the many ways the light bounced with shadow countless sounds of insect buzz, the call of invisible, of invisible birds courting breezes. Each second, each step held an infinite abundance. I was just there to see it, to witness little bits. Imagine trying to describe it all in words, in paintings, in mathematics. Imagine being caught in the seeing and missing out on being. I could read mine. It's okay. It's a short poem. Um, expressing oneself as an image or word slips like a wet stone squeezed too tightly. To rest on one over another, established binaries, is to cut growth with growth. The cycles it creates are reflections of time and memory, of conditioned expression. The boilerplate of life is outside of infinity, 
is is life that is caused, conquered, and endured. How about once more, Hunter? Expressing expressing oneself as an image or word slips like a wet stone squeezed too tightly. To rest on one over another, establish binaries is to cut growth with growth. The cycles it creates are reflections time of memory of conditioned expression the boilerplate of life is outside of infinity is life that is caused conquered and endured i really like how uh, each person um gets something different <laughs> And we heard about uh, one koan teacher who would tell his students exactly what they were supposed to get from the koan. And then they had to get to that point. So that's the other way of working with koans. So this probably wasn't very nice, but what I used to say to my students when I would wait for them to respond to something is I get paid the same, but I don't get paid anything here. So, <laughs> Okay, I'll go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, why would a man left the right? Why would a man leave the rice fields when there is still work available? He wouldn't. He would leave to find work in another field as soon as possible. And what I mean to I okay, so I was in my head. <laughs> and obviously I wasn't writing everything that was in my head. So I'm seeing this from the perspective of somebody who works in the field, the type of people that only come for the harvest. So for them, the moment they're finished harvesting one field, they have to move to another. So this man, he left the field, the rice field, because there was no more work. Um, and then he moved to the next, he was trying to find another field to work on. Harvest time is a small window in time. There is no time to waste. His livelihood depends on it. Guisham is wasting his time. Guisham to me feels like he's a learned man and that's what learned men do. They're not working with their hands. He's working with his mind. So for him is how many people are still in the field. He's looking for knowledge versus Yashan. He's working with his body, with his hands. He has to move on to the next field. Because if not, he may not have money to be able to eat so that's what i got from it thank you well i i can go i have to Unblur. Oops, I didn't unblur, did I? Okay. So what I did is I took each line and I tried to draw the relationship between them. Um, so he's trying to catch his teacher's attention. Where have you come from? 
and his teacher's not looking at him. And then the teacher says back from the rice field, or, or I guess, uh, yeah. And they're closer. And then how many people, and they're a little farther away, and then he thrusts the hoe. That seems too to be the first, um, there's always this, this idea of, of uh, getting someone atten someone's attention, like a teacher's attention, but then, then moving the conversation a little bit to the Dharma. And when he thrusts the hoe, I kind of see that starting to happen. He's starting to say something, there's starting to be some realization. And then great, what's the great? Oh, the great number of people. I don't get that too much, except that it's um, seeing the whole situation from a broader perspective. And then he left immediately because I think there's some understanding that occurred. So anyway, that that's kind of. Um, sorry, but you showed the image. We didn't get to see it. We only saw the very top. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. So, uh, James, uh, great. Um, from what I, um, thinking about it this afternoon, I, it felt, I grew up in the South and, uh, there's a lot of passive aggressiveness <laughs> in behavior and speech and Rashawn's questions seem passive aggressive to me. Um, and, uh, young Sean's response seems to be anger. Um, and when at the end of the koan, he says he took up his hoe and left immediately. It didn't say he went to South Mountain to help cut thatch. It just said he left immediately and he didn't say anything. And so he thrust his hoe, which, um, you know, if you've ever put a hoe on the ground like that, it takes quite a bit of force and it seems to me to do that and to then to cross your arms um, conveys a sense of frustration or anger that someone would ask you this, especially if you're coming from a field, you're dirty, you've been in a rice paddy. So it seems to me to be quite obvious where you had just come from. And then to have someone um, like Starlet said earlier that, you know, is probably a learned man and very, you know, his robes are clean. You know, I, I feel like it must have been a frustrating question to have someone come to you with. Um, and I think about, you know, when you're in meditation and you're, um, and you're breathing and you have these questions and these, you know, things come into your mind that are um, annoyances. That's what it feels like to me because um, Yang Shan has the tool to do both jobs that this person is asking him to do, but you know he's being bothered by this person. And maybe he was even going to cut thatch. Maybe he was already on his way. And this person is just stopping him from doing the thing that he was planning to do in the first place. So that's that's my that's my interpretation. Thank you. So Ashley, Kathy, Malin, 
Ashley's going to say something. I can share some. I mostly wrote a bunch of questions and judgments, which is like my mind. So that sounds appropriate. But I didn't differentiate who is the teacher and who is the student. And I just had so many questions about why he was doing the rice field alone and, you know, like what the gesture meant. Why was he thrusting it into the ground? Was that like might or willingness or like frustration? So I just had an endless amount of questions. So eventually I just wrote, I hate not knowing. It does not make me feel serene. <laughs> and then I like softened some and then I wrote some more questions. And I was just thinking about the thatch and and yeah, the the breadth of work that this person is doing with the food and the the structures and um, yeah, I just enjoyed hearing all of y'all's interpretations on it too and how different they were. That was um, I think most entertaining for me is hearing everybody's. Thank you. Yeah. Kathy. Yes. Do you know, this is the first time I've been on depth of practice, so I didn't know you were writing. Um, Kathy and I used to be in a writing group. Yeah. <laughs> and, and others. Um, yeah, I felt as though um, Dushan was the teacher, but to me it seemed odd that he left the field by himself if the work was done. I would have expected that others would have left with him. And um, and then for the teacher, as I thought, uh, to ask him how many people were in the rice field, that was like, why did you leave? You know, um, it just it just felt like he was uh, he was not supposed to be in the place that young son was not supposed to be in the place he was in at that point. And um, and and that's part of why I felt the hoe got thrust to the to the ground, because that's not something you would do in front of a teacher to thrust a hoe. A hoe. And um, and I don't know what the hands folded on his chest work. That that was kind of strange to me. Um, but I think Usan was saying there's more work to do on the South Mountain. And I wasn't sure he was going that way either. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you. And Malin. I have nothing. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Malin. Uh, So do you want to read from the, from clarity or a little more wisdom? I want to know who the teacher is. Okay. <laughs> so then we'll do uh, a little more wisdom because it tells that. So you're responsible, Nelda. <laughs> Oh, joy, I get to make another mistake and learn. <laughs> okay. So here's the personnel. Uh, so let's read in alphabetical order. So uh, Ashley already read. Well, I guess we already, most of us already read. Ashley, why don't you start? And then, can you see the names? So it's Ashley, Kathy, Emily, G H I J, Hunter, James, Kim, Melissa, Malen. Did I miss anyone? Starlet, Nelda after Malen. Okay, thank you. So I just read. Um, you know, one paragraph. Okay. Uh, personnel, we 
previously met Gashan 771 through 853, 10th generation Dharma grandson of Mazu and GG number 40, BCR number 70. Those are all koan, koan okay. collections. Okay. I was like, I don't know what these numbers. You don't have to read them. Meant. Okay. Um, Guashan was a disciple of Baishan and thus a Dharma brother of Wangbo Guashan from Mount Gui and his disciple Yangshan are the founders of the Guiyang House, one of the fabled five houses of Zen. One of the distinguishing features of the Guiyang House was that it carefully considered both sudden enlightenment and the gradual cultivation of it, not getting caught up in the sudden versus gradual dispute that was popular at the time. Seeing clearly is one thing the Guayang school teaches, but integrating it into your life is something else. Insight is sudden, integration is gradual. So this was a big disagreement at the time. How do you get enlightened suddenly or slowly? Um, so uh, let's read, read the Kathy. How about reading the case again? I think you may be muted. That doesn't help. Thank you. <laughs> My teaching for the night. Um, Guaishan asked Yangshan, where have you come from? Yangshan said, from the rice field. Guaishan said, how many people are there in the rice field? Yangshan thrust his hoe into the ground and stood with his hands folded on his chest. Guaishan said, there are a great number of people cutting thatch at the South Mountain. Yangshan took up his hoe and left immediately. Can, can we read it as in rows? Um, oh, we did that this, we did that earlier. We, we oh, all sorry. took different roles. That's okay. all right. Okay, and then these are different people writing about the koan. So, uh, Emily. Okay. Wang Song's preference. To know before a word is spoken is called the silent utterance. To not be bright but reveal itself is called the dark activity. Place the palms together in front of the three gates and in both hallways they promenade. Such empathy there is. Dance in the middle garden and at the back gate a head is moved. How about that? And then uh, H, Hunter. Hongzhi's verse. The old awakened one with deep feeling considers his descendants, who now he spurred on to uphold his household. Keep in mind the part about the southern mountains. With it inlaid in bone, engraved on the skin, Let's show our gratitude together. And then, um, I think it's me now. Who's next? Uh, James. James, thank you. Uh, Hong Zi's verse, Cleary translation. The old enlightened one's feelings are many. The thinks of his descendants. Now he repents of setting up a household. 
we must remember the saying about South Mountain, engraved on the bones, inscribed on the skin, together requiting the blessing. So these are two different translations of the same wise one. Okay, Wan Song's comment. Teacher and apprentice joins ways. Father and son complement each other's action. The family style of Gi and Yang is a guide for a thousand ages. Where are you coming from? Could Gishan not have known Yangshan had come from the fields? He was just using this question to have a meeting with Yangshan. Yangshan didn't turn away from the question. From the fields. Now tell me, is there any Buddhist principle here or not? How many people are there in the fields? Gishan enters deeply into the tiger's cave. Yangshan planted his hoe and stood there, immediately meeting as a patch-robed monk. So all our conversations kind of have those two levels of meaning, don't they? And by just seeing how the person says something and by their the tone of their voice and how they're looking at you, then you you get something way beyond this pretty um, dumb conversation, you know, or, or shallow or whatever. <coughs> I mean, imagine this conversation lasting a thousand years. Okay, so uh, then I think we have Melissa. Zan mm -hmm. Shan's comment quoted by Wan Song. If I had seen him, Yang Shan, then I would have kicked over the hoe for him. Yep. Do you want me to bring the, next know, one also? The, the, scene, the scene is, of course, um, not just seen visually, but, but getting. Okay, go on. Well, and if he... I just was thinking I would have kicked over the hoe for him if if he was feeling like he, this one was being arrogant or whatever. That's what you do. You kick the hoe out from under him, he would have fallen. Hmm. Okay. Do you want me to read the next one or stop now? Stop now. Let's do the next okay. person. It's Juicy Jiking's verse quoted by Wang Sang. Do you really understand the point of Guishan's questions? When Yang Shang answered him by planting the hoe, Buddhas and patriarchs disappeared. Shuang Shang kicking it over as a bystander doesn't agree to avoid letting the blue yellow green deepen with spring thank you and nelda mm -hmm. or did i miss someone no it is me next okay the Fallen Temple's verse quoted by Wang Song. Mm -hmm. Meeting on a narrow road, escape is impossible. When planting the hoe, standing with folded hands, having come across the bridge, he walks on the shore, for the first time realizing his whole body is muddy and wet. Okay, and now uh, Starlet. Last week, Wick's comment really helped us, I think. Wick's comment. How many people are there in the rice field? Is that a Zen question or an ordinary question? Yang Shan sticks his hoe in the ground, demonstrating just this. 
Yangshan got the point of the question. When he planted his hoe in the ground, everything disappeared, including Buddhas and ancestors, planted firmly in the ground. Yangshan's hoe removed every square inch of soil. There are a great number of people cutting thatch on the South Mountain. What about them? What about all the people who are suffering? What about all the people who are getting old, getting sick, dying? What about all the people who are going to work every day to support their families instead of sitting zazen like a solitary monk? There are two sides here, and this koan requires that you see both of them. When we practice and penetrate into our concentration, we see that there's no self and no other. That is the view from the solitary peak. Expressing this state, Yang Shan plants the hope realizing that there are innumerable sentient beings who are suffering. The whole body is splashed with mud. Pull up that hole and go take care of them. Thank you. And now um, we're back to Ashley. Barbara Disco's verse. Yangshan plants his hoe, dense in a thicket, a crystal horse appears. Looking towards the south, a journey is taken. The path is nowhere to be found. Gestures in the koan seem to mean more than the words, don't they, often? And then I think we're at uh, Emily. Dido's comment. Parent and child perform a Dharma dance to blaze the trail for later generations. But how many will understand and how many will make a nest here. It is said that the family style for the Guiyang school has set a standard for many generations of practitioners. How can we not be grateful? Bringing up the real and the conventional together, they complement each other's actions. Gathering up and rolling out, they settle the matter. But say, what is the meaning of Yangshan's walking away, dragging his hoe? There was a koan I, I was working with, and then I read another version of the koan that was like three times as long that explained everything. And it, it ruined the koan. It wasn't a koan anymore. So I think, uh, like Ashley was talking about questions, you know, if, if it's too clear, it's not going to live, is it? Okay, so after Emily is uh, H. Hunter. Dada's verse. Beyond stages, transcending expedient means, mind to mind in accord. When the mile high weeds wither, the boundless horizon appears. And uh, James. Sturmer's verse, although one sound penetrates three worlds, it's not advisable to start a meditation center next door to our restaurant. <laughs> we'll only end up chopping carrots and washing piles of dishes. <laughs> and one more, uh, I guess it's me. 
Those old questions, where have I come from? What am I? What should I do? A field, a hoe, and a moving toward those who labor. What else is needed? What else is possible? So do you have any comments? I don't think we should go to the, the real clear uh, Dharma talk tonight. That would be fun to do that um, next week. But uh, did you get a little bit of insight? It'll be fun to sit with this koan for a week and see where it takes you. It's fun for me. I I asked, the, after our Zazen in the morning, we have kind of a, a little 15-minute uh, get-together, and I asked the question, what was the question I asked? Well, I talked about noble, noble silence and how if you don't have something to say about the Dharma, you should keep your mouth shut. And also how you meet someone on the street and you say, hi, or how are you or something, some kind of pretty inane comment, you know, a question, a gesture of, of meeting. And very quickly, um, a relationship starts to develop more happens and and that's really neat and then sometimes they don't right the conversation just stays at that very superficial level and nothing ever happens so it's it's something i think to to notice you know when, when does the relationship change into something where the people there's some touching occurred as opposed to just um, you just want to run away, you know, like like the the kind of stereotypical cocktail party. And nothing gets any deeper than 50 feet away. That's kind of what. So, so I kept seeing these these guys getting a little closer, a little farther away. And then we always have in the koan these these really definite gestures that are so much power, more powerful than words, like with the the hole being stuck in the ground. But do you all want to say something? Uh, two things. Yes, thank you. I can very much see me if our, if our uh, Zendo was next to a restaurant getting off of the cushion and going to help um, because people need to be fed. And so... That doesn't seem like such a strange commentary. And the other is back to the hoe. So I think it was Kathy who said that a student would never, you know, throw or 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 or, or pitch a hoe or plant a hoe in front of a teacher, but they were no longer. I mean, those labels and roles had been set aside and they were equals and um equal to equal could do that so it wasn't an offensive move it was one that said we're equals and let's let's meet here with your question oh that's a, i i like that where the role changes well i have to say that i'm more confused than before <laughs> and I I still consider that it's a koan that shows the reality of life the needing to work and I, I still think it's about Young Shan trying to find out where am I supposed to go next? Where is there work next to be done? And 
he didn't want to waste any time. So it was just like, are we done? Can you just tell me where to go? But I'm just not going to say it out loud. Just give you a look. <laughs> but it's just two different ways of living life. Because I do think that Gishan is also doing something valuable. Because if you didn't have him there, who would have told Yangshan where there was more work to be had? You need to have somebody who knows about where people are going and where's work and things like that. What's the real work? Is it the rice field? No, I think that both of them, like Melissa mentioned, you need to eat. That's the importance of the rice, but you also need a place where to live. You need to have a roof. That's the importance of the sash. So they're both equally important. At least I think so. But you do need to have somebody that can see the bigger picture. So if not, people wouldn't know, okay, so we're done with the rice, where are we supposed to go next? And I think Ishan is that guiding person. And I think maybe even more lost. <laughs> well, I... Sorry, that's my low glucose. Um, one of the things I was thinking when he's doing the part with the hoe and he crosses his hands, it, we all, we, it could be that it's not necessarily in frustration or anger. It's to say, I'm, I'm planting myself here to hear what you have to say. I'm putting my hoe in the ground and I'm putting my arms over the hoe and, and I'm looking at you and I'm waiting to hear what you have to say. Um, I think that might be a, slightly different and kind of interesting interpretation to go with just for thought purposes. Melissa, it's what we do often at the Zendo when we encounter someone. We encounter someone and we hold our hands right here and we wait for the next moment and the next moment. So that's why I went there too. I kind of went like you know, folding of the arms. And to me, that's more like, okay, you're wasting my time. Let's get moving. <laughs> it's, it's more putting a barrier between one and the other and making a statement with, with your whole body. That's, that's how I understood it. I think a few parts you know, we went over stuff kind of quickly and then went on. So some of it just kind of sink in and some of it went away. But there was a part, one person's interpretation was there's no path. <laughs> and I like that. And I think that we're all kind of talking about the, the no path path um, that we could all differently take. And then also I, I found the part when he realized that his clothes were muddy and wet. At first, I saw that as him finding a lot of pride in his work, but then I wondered, was there shame? Like that one felt really moving and really kind of emotionally charged there. Those were the two that stuck out to me that kind of, um, that I liked. Anything else? Malin? Do you have a hoe? <laughs> yeah. I was just uh, wondering, I, I, I apologize that I came late, uh, but um, are we reading who the, who the characters are before reading the con? Did we? You know, we read tonight who they are. Yeah, but um, like si since uh, 
sometimes we're practicing this idea of getting to know the relationships between the characters. So probably could be interesting to do that experiment at some other con, like to oh. read it first. Okay. So Melen, this time we read the koan and really didn't know the relationship between the characters. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, if you're like in theater or whatever, it could be different if you have like uh, a conversation between mother and son or neighbors or, you know, it's the context is totally different. Yeah, I liked what uh, Nelda said that the relationship kind of uh, changed. They were more like equals in this koan. Um, you know, not knowing sometimes, but we'll, we'll do that on the next koan. Thank you. Also, when we just found out, when we just read about whom they were, it turns out that they're both teachers. Even though one started being a disciple, but I mean. there. I think in all the koans, there's a tremendous love and respect and, and an equal quality, even though one might be the teacher. There, there, there's, they, uh, there, there's no putting the other person down. They're more testing each other. You know, for for I think the ultimate purpose of of maybe bringing the other person to some kind of enlightenment, but also bringing each other to something. So there's always a change, it seems, in both people through this experience. That if only one person changes, that's kind of unequal. You know, just like if you had a partner and then only you were changing, but the partner wasn't changing. Something would be off. Well, thank you all for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Have thank a you. good evening, the rest of the evening. You too. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.